you've done for us on the cross and in the empty grave. We praise you. We praise that when we, when, when you come again, we will stand before the Almighty God, holy, blameless, without blemish, free from accusation. Through our faith in you, through, through the salvation that you offer us, through faith in you, we praise you, Lord. We thank you for this hope. We thank you for this living hope that we have. We praise things in your name. Be seated. Morning, everybody. There are some Sundays when we sing together, we pray together, and by the time we're done with our music, and I really feel this, um, you know, it'd be just fine to say a prayer and a benediction and go home. It's so good, isn't it? It's just too bad that this isn't one of those Sundays. I'm glad you're here today. Um, we are in a series during these days coming up before Lent, um, and including some of it, on uh, taking our text from Colossians. We're continuing with this theme of everyday hope. And uh, this everyday hope, it's not like, well, it's just everyday hope. It's not that kind of everyday kind of blah, ho-hum, hope, which usually comes and goes depending on our mood. No, it's much more powerful and meaningful than that. And it all starts with a mystery. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have the privilege every week of leading uh, staff meetings here at Triumph. Thursday mornings, 11 o'clock, we gather. A week ago or so, this past Thursday, I opened the meeting with a devotional thought from Psalm 90. I have to get caught up here. Psalm 90. And part of it, we ran into this in verse 9. All our days, and I really kind of need to read this in the um, mood that it's written. All our days. Kind of think, woe is me. All our days pass away under your wrath, Lord. We finish our years with a moan. Now, as you can tell, on Thursday mornings at 11 o'clock, I'm just all positive and perky. Verse 10. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass 
and we fly away. If only we knew. And I, I have to stop right there. What's that about? Our days number 70 years. I'm starting to pay attention. Maybe 80 if we're strong. Well, I'm doing a little math while I'm reading my devotional. Let's see now. 68.5.2 from 70 is... Oh, I think I'm going to subtract from 80. Lord, if you don't mind. Totally up to you, but okay. Even then... Kind of wakes you up. Last week, I think it was just last Sunday, Vern started the nine o'clock service, is his portion of it in the sermon, mentioning this. He said that he used to be the old guy on the staff. But now, he said this, but now, and then he kind of didn't complete the sentence, and he didn't dare look over here. He didn't look. He was implying that there was an older, older guy on the staff. Now, while I'm listening and, and then realizing he, need, he means me. And he's pointing it out right in front of all these good people. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to serve Vern in this way if it makes him feel a little better. We're here to serve. I'm okay. But, you know, honestly, I am becoming more and more aware that the days do get shorter. The number decreases, no matter how old we are. No matter what number you start with. I read uh, something on Facebook just yesterday. Somebody posted uh, things that grandchildren say to grandparents. And there was a grandmother who was explaining to one of her grandchildren that she was 80 and the kid thought about it for a while and he said, did you start at one? <laughs> oh, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me finish the psalm. Lord, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen trouble, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. Marvelous ending. Full of hope. Beautiful. Well, if the psalmist had had a truly sorrowful view of life and despaired that his end of life and ours comes with a last gasp or just a groan and a moan and then we get to face the wrath of God 
But where's the hope in that? What sort of hope do we have and hope that we can offer to others? Despair, confusion, hatred, war, greed, any number of other descriptions of hopelessness and sin. Told you I was all positive and perky in the morning. This is the realities. Read a paper, watch the news. It's tough out there. And it's tough in here. The heart. Do you ever groan? Do you ever moan? I do all the time. We'll be at home and watching the news or reading it. Oh, oh, did you hear about this? Oh, really? Another one? That again? Oh, Lord, how long? Will this go on? There's so many things that make us hurt and maybe even feel a little hopeless because the things on the outside start affecting the things on the inside. Well, you might say, you might ask, Pastor Bruce, what do you know about it? Over the past three years, I have officiated at funerals of two young men who in different ways took their own lives. One was more obvious than the other. One was by drug abuse and the other one was by gunshot. How could life be so hopeless for men so young? Never saw it coming, never dreamed it. Both are nephews. Mine. And through crushing tears, I was asked by sisters, Bruce, will you come and do the funeral? How do I do that? How could I? And then how could I not? Without a message of hope in Christ, I couldn't, I wouldn't, and I shouldn't. Well, my task this morning really isn't to give you three or six or ten or twelve steps to hope because we only need one, one step. Paul writes of it in Colossians. He opens a great mystery for us. I'm called to reveal a hope that comes alive in us. It takes us into life and through to the very end and beyond, not ending with a mournful groan, but with trust in the promises of our Savior for life everlasting and all the glory that comes with that. We sometimes forget about that. All the glory, the riches, the wealth of it that comes to us in the hope of Christ. Well, in Colossians 1, it's really our text for today. He opens a great mystery that has challenged humans throughout history. 
And for many, it is still very challenging. From a jail cell surrounded by Roman soldiers and jail guards, he's been arrested for being out there preaching and teaching and writing to friends about the very hope that we all need. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. This is Paul. I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up my flesh in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, us. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And here it is. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerful works in me. Chapter 2, verse 2, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. What hope do we have today? When we find it, when we have it, when we share it, it, we approach an ages old mystery that must not remain a mystery anymore. That's where Paul is coming from. And part of the problem that Paul and his people had way back when was that God's chosen people, the children of Abraham, the nation of Israel, blessed by God, rescued, trained, gifted, empowered by God. They were given the task of bringing good news and blessing and hope to the world. They completely dropped the ball. They even began to work hard to keep it to themselves. It was so precious, we can't let it out. We must hold this. And if it happens to leak out a little bit and someone discovers the grace of God uh, in spite of us, well, we might let them in, but they've got to come in on our terms. They have to know our rules and regulations, our laws, and live by them. And then they need to learn the traditions and keep them. That is not the gospel of God in the Old Testament. 
or the new. It's so far from God's message of love and grace. Judaism failed, became a religion of law and performance. And even then, if you did all that, you couldn't quite be sure. Even Paul, Saul, bought into that whole system. Even while he was resisting and fighting against the one who came as Messiah that he was longing for. He fought a losing battle. One day, that very Messiah met him along the road as he was off to Damascus to persecute a few more Christians. Paul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus said. And his life changed. Well, there were others in the world that Paul knew about, uh, not just the failings of the Jewish family, the Israelites, the children of God, not just them. Uh, Judaizers, a lot of them were called. Come on over to our side, but you got to do it our way. There were Gnostics. Gnostics knowing, having knowledge, but you can't have knowledge unless you're with us. Knowledge is a mystery, it's secret. And if you're not one of the Gnostics, then you can't know it. So if you wanna know it, come join us. You gotta leave all that behind and become one of us. It was a strong battle. And there were agnostics, all kinds of people resisting God's grace, this simple message and trying to make it difficult. So if you came in, you came in on their terms. Well, it became a mystery. We have the mystery. If you want to know the mystery, come on over. No. Paul took all of this head on, and here it is, the, re the revelation that Christ is for all people everywhere, and for all time, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles, that's everybody. Christ in you. Christ in all the riches and glory of his life-giving love in all who believe on him and receive him. Mystery solved. Does that bring us hope? It's not wishful thinking or some uncertain, well, maybe I have it. It's not that we'll do all right in life and in the end, I'm hoping for the best. It's not that at all. No, we have the rock solid promises of God and in these we have our hope and our life. In Christ, we have the hope of salvation. In his word, we have the sure promises of God for here and now, and, and I'll quote that great theologian, to infinity and beyond. I just did that to see if you're still with me. Jesus knew the mystery before Paul did. He walked with his disciples, training them, teaching them, knowing that he would leave them one day. 
long before Paul came on the scene, Jesus was praying. It's found in John 17. He prayed for his closest followers. A very rich prayer. It's called his high priestly prayer. He's praying for those who are going to be going out into the world after he leaves. And then he prays for us too. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. This is Jesus. The love you, Father, have for me, Jesus, will be in them. And that I myself... that I myself may be in them. Everyday hope comes from Jesus alone. This Jesus promises hope for eternity. And he says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. Yes, in the beyond but in the here and now as well. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And that there is some pretty good hope. You tell your kids that's really bad grammar, but sorry. You know, it's critical that we receive this life in time our days are short no matter how old you are I'm in a pattern these days of bringing my 98 year old father my dad to doctor's appointments he lives in Wapaton I go get him bring him up here usually and uh, so we have time to visit now you don't really ask a 98 year old guy how you doing dad because he's not going to say, I'm fine. It takes the rest of the trip up here for him to answer that question. And I don't mind it. I don't mind listening at all. But once in a while, and this is not done in a, with a morbid spirit at all, but in a hopeful way, he says, once in a while, he'll say, you know, Bruce, I'd like to go home. And he's not talking about Wapiton. Some days more than others. And then he smiles. It's a wistful thing. 70 years? Maybe 80 if you have the strength? 98? What of 26 or 41 or 50 or 68.5.2? Let's all live our years with everyday hope, which is found only in the mystery of Christ, that he is here, he is alive, and he wants us to live in him as he seeks to live in us. Do you? Have hope, this hope.
Do you have Jesus? More importantly, does he have you? If yes, if your answer is yes, let's keep talking about that and working on it and meeting together and celebrating it, sharing it, and sharing it with others, learning how to do that together. If your answer is no, let's talk. Let's pray. Father, open our hearts to this wonderful mystery and the promise that it reveals to us. We thank you for this grace, for this glory and the hope it delivers to our everyday lives and to our lives every day. I pray this in Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. I invite you to stand and let's respond together.